0: This podcast is Shareable. Shareable is the podcast fueled entirely by curiosity. Every episode features exciting guests who share valuable advice and insights, how to guides, and practical takeaways. Join me as I explore the awe-inspiring stories about overcoming the odds, the secret formulas that gave each guest their unique superpower, and the moments that remind us of our shared humanity. Get ready to be excited, delighted, and possibly even astonished, because this podcast is shareable. Today on Shareable, I have a very special guest for my listeners. I know I say that all the time, but I really feel that way all of the time. So for my listeners, special guests today, who are not familiar with you, Julie, tell people what they need to know about you. What are some of the most important things that someone might not know about you that you think they should know?
1: Yeah. Well- I'm Julie B. Obviously knowing my name is a good thing. Um, I help business owners prevent burnout and achieve success. So that's that's a big thing I think that's important to know. Then the other thing I would say is that I will be your loudest cheerleader and your biggest kick in the rear when you need it. And that's kind of across the board from the work that I do to my uh, family and friends. I do not sugarcoat. I tell it like it is pretty straight shooter in that regard. So Uh, Those are things you should probably know about me uh, when you're getting ready to talk with me.
0: Amazing. And we're going to use that as the basis of our conversation today. We're going to talk a little bit about motivation, inspiration. We're going to talk about burnout. We're going to talk about intuition and data-driven decisions. There's a bunch of things to cover today. Um, And I want to really make sure that the guests get to know you and learn a lot from you. Uh, But before we get there, the big question, what is the dent you wish to make in the universe? So you have of a mission statement that I've seen in a couple different places and that's one place to start um, but even if you gave me that I would poke at you and I want to go deeper with that I want to know what the dent you want to leave in the universe is so
1: the, the the dent is to help 1 million entrepreneurs prevent burnout and achieve success and and get to where they want to to be uh by honestly that's by 2032 so that that is the big one the 1 million entrepreneurs
0: solid and now I'm gonna poke at you and say, so that dot dot dot. So why does that matter? Why does it matter if we uh if we see one million business owners make smarter decisions, lead happier lives, all of the things that you do? Let's say that you're successful. Mm-hmm. So what? Not so what like big deal, but like so what then? What happens? Why does that make the world dented?
1: I I think that what makes us unique, and I, you know, I, I kind of phrase this in terms of America, but it it's really everywhere are our local communities and the differences and the uniqueness that all of these local communities one of my favorite things is my local community here well i know that business owners are the backbone they're often the soul the heart and soul of those local communities so i believe that if we if i and the people who work with me can help business owners prevent burnout stay in business and also thrive in business and succeed at business That is ultimately going to come back into the local community through volunteerism, through philanthropy, through, you know, just making the uh, making the community have a more uh, diverse uh, population, probably supporting your employees, you know, all of these things that make up uh, a local community that we all love. I think a lot of that starts with business owners, with the mom and pop shops, with the people who hire locally and, you know, have employees going out and and buying from those mom and pop shops. So that's why I set that out is I just really want to um, I I really don't like conglomeration and I don't like how things are becoming really homogenous and, you know, you got to you're, we're just losing so much of that downtown, that small town, downtown. Uh, I came from a small town that has like pretty much been wiped off the map because of conglomerations. And I just think it's really important to try to preserve some of that. And that's, that's why I think that that's the impact that it's going to have.
0: So helping business owners make smarter decisions, greater Mm -hmm. longevity and sustainability for small businesses, more community, bringing us back closer to connecting to one another. Mm -hmm. I love it. Where does it come from for you? How did that begin? Where? Let's go back to your origin, okay? So uh, somewhere in your past, something happened and there's a pattern that emerged that led you to this point where you said, this is an important thing. Could have been an experience. It could have been uh, positive, could have been negative. But talk to me a little bit about like, tell me about you, Where where's this journey? How did you get here where that's an important thing for you?
1: Yeah, I think, I think the phrase, it takes a village, it can summarize it pretty, pretty quickly for me. I, I grew up in a small town in West Virginia and uh, like I mentioned, that town has pretty much been wiped out because of the oxycodone uh, problems we have in this country. But anyways, that community, I, I mean, I remember getting off the bus a school bus and being picked up by my neighbor until my mom could get home. And then, you know, we were involved in the local community in terms of that's where we shop. Like we knew our grocer, you know, we knew the person who was working at the video rental counter where I would go and get Tecmo Super Bowl and play it for, you know, until my thumbs bled. <laughs> yeah. So, you know, I, I, I miss that. I don't, we don't have that as much here. And I think that um, I, I think out of that, that is where that is where you can have people from different uh different backgrounds different political parties different everything if if you have that community experience then it it uh creates an atmosphere of respect and understanding and even if you don't agree you can still have a reasonable conversation and still love the person afterwards and i think you know i grew up even though in, in the environment i grew up in that was kind of how it worked. Uh and and that's honestly one of the one of the reasons I was able to come out and then go back to my, you know, high school reunion and be welcomed with open arms from people who on paper shouldn't welcome me with open arms, but because of how we were raised in that community experience. Um, they love me. They love me because I'm Julie and they, you know, they know that I'm gay and they're like, Yeah, you're gay. Okay, that's fine. Uh, we love you no matter what. And I I just I feel like that is missing and the ability to respect. Others' lives, views, whatever you want to call it, um, and and still come together at the end of the day and say, you know, we're working towards something together here. I think we've lost that and I'd like to get it back.
0: I didn't plan to go this direction, but something you said, I just really want to take, I want to go down this road. So Mm -hmm. you help people avoid burnout. Mm -hmm. And embedded in a lot of what you were just talking about is sort of the danger of isolation. So, post pandemic world, when we're isolated, we don't connect with our neighbors as much. We don't have as much community. You've got, you know, the, the, um, you no longer really have as many of those family grocers. Now you go to the, the big supermarkets. And there's this sort of alienation from one another at a community level that I think there's this sort of intersection of ideas here between isolation, alienation, and burnout that are all kind of happening. Because when you're burned out, you don't go out and seek out social connection. You don't go out and, put in the a little bit of extra effort to be part of the community because you're just burned out. You're tapped. You got nothing left yeah. for someone else because you don't have enough for yourself. Mm-hmm. And I'm curious if uh, officially in the work that you do, yeah. there's any connection to isolation and alienation through burnout and how that, that is a factor in this sort of penultimate goal of creating more community through empowering business owners.
1: Yeah. I, I think, if you were to ask if you were to ask me what the cure for burnout was, um, and I'm not a doctor, you know, I'm not a medical professional. This is just from my perspective. I think a broad sweep that I could say is have a support group that you can rely on that is going to build you up, not break you down. And that is both in your personal life and your business life. So you might have, you know, a spouse, a best friend, even your family in your personal life that could fill that role. And then you've got in business, you might have your, you know, your your mastermind group or your coach or your mentor, whatever it may be. And you, you know, you might have all of those things. So I, I, yeah, I think exactly what you said is that we, as from a business owner perspective, when you get burned out, you get isolated because you tell yourself, well, I brought this on myself. I chose this path. So I have to deal with it. That's like one of the first things I see. And then it goes into, well, I feel guilty even talking about this with anybody. So you get even more isolated. And what I found is even in those groups that people are paying money to be a lot of money to be in and where you're supposed to be able to put everything on the table, they don't put burnout on the table because it's it's a stigma to, It's it's a, a stigma for business owners because they think that they it's just the life they chose. And I I, I don't agree with that line of thinking. So I think that keeps a lot of people from talking about uh, in their community. But yeah, I think that isolation piece, comes from it, it can come from not having that community. And that's what again, kind of wrapping it all together. That's what building local community communities can prevent. I think and business owners are a vital part of making sure those local communities you know stay intact and and are able to thrive and grow.
0: Whenever I talk about burnout with people, I I um thing that kind of keeps coming up over and over and again is that people talk about how they just don't have time in their schedule, right? Like Mm -hmm. that they're just booked up solid and this and that. And oftentimes what that leads to is people saying that they don't have enough like me time, right? Like Mm -hmm. I don't have time to do the things that I want to do. I don't have any time for my own space, my own thing, but something you just said, I I think is a new element that I hadn't considered, but that it's not just that we need me time. We also need we time. Mm -hmm. We need time that we actively choose to be amongst the people that give us energy and life and support Mm -hmm and um, and allow us space to grow and be ourselves, et cetera. And there's a lot of converging factors here. And I think one of the big ones is, is again, is time. When you don't have enough time and you are burned out, not going to make as much space. But at the same time, and I'm curious if you would agree with this, that making me time and making we time is part of your way of fighting back against that burnout. So so consciously reclaiming a block of time each week or each month or whatever, where you can go and indulge in the we time with the people in your life is kind of a starting point towards getting out of that burnout. I'm wondering in your sort of um, program, your process, mm-hmm. your framework, your way of confronting burnout with people, uh, how, where does that sit? Mm-hmm. And and what's your kind of overall take on addressing burnout?
1: I, so th- there's a lot of answers to this question. I will say, yes to your initial question of is it is the we time and the me time important part of it yeah the short answer is yes so the the harder the harder thing is when you tell people they need to make space or make time their immediate reaction is i don't have any time like i don't even have time to think about making time and i push back pretty hard on that because what i have found there's there's always a place to find time and it's it's really more about like working with the business owner and getting them to see that like you could actually use this time so in my perspective is there's there's almost always time somewhere and sometimes it means that you have to shuffle priorities sometimes it does mean that I mean you and I are both podcast hosts Uh, I have canceled podcast interviews you know, half an hour to an hour before they started, because I had something else happen. Like I had, my dad had a stroke or something like, like that literally happened over the summer. So I had to, you know, adjust and, and reconfigure. And it, that is something that I think if you don't have the boundaries and you don't know what's important, that it's easy for you to like force that podcast interview and then go deal with your dad's stroke. When the reality is all along, I mean, at least for me, dealing with my dad's stuff was more important than those podcast interviews at that moment so I think there's some issues there with like boundaries around our time and and prioritization I, I don't think it's about like how much we actually have on our calendar I think it's more about what are you prioritizing when you're talking about making time and the other thing I'll say Jeff is when it comes to space I look at it I look at space in three ways so there's space on your calendar that's time there's physical space so when I get somebody who's really resistant to burnout, which a lot of business owners are very resistant to even talking about their burnout, I will say, okay, let's let's just, let's just instead of, if you don't have any time, okay, I'm gonna to take that as like, that's truth. I will say, let's look at your physical space. Can you, can you change your location? Can you go do certain types of work in a different location to just get a different vibe? And sometimes that will help them start to really open up and see like, oh, okay, I actually can make space. I really focus on making space from three different angles. There's physical, there's calendar, and then there's the energy space of, you know, if, I, I am not going to write a 1500 word blog post on Friday afternoons. I know when my, I know my energy levels throughout the week, throughout the day, throughout the month, throughout the year. I know i don't sleep well in the summer because there's daylight more like i know these things about myself so i will take you know take all that into consideration when i'm planning out my priorities of what's my energy level going to be like and that's the other thing i think you got to think about the energy space that you have um and when you're planning this so when i talk about making space i i talk about those three things because often the initial reaction is i don't even have time to have this conversation And so, you know, we have to go back and, you know, kind of baby step it into, okay, well, if you don't have time, let's look at your physical space. And I, you know, I kind of weave it back around and eventually we get to the point of, okay, now let's look at that crazy to-do list of yours and cut, you know, 15 things off of there through delegation or elimination because they're, you know, and then that's when they're able to actually see that a little bit more clearly.
0: I appreciate the um, concrete examples of shifting Mm -hmm. context, right, Mm -hmm. Um, which can be a really powerful way of shifting your mindset. I absolutely love that. I want to layer in three other factors, um, two of which I know you explicitly have talked about, but I want to um, get your take on this. It seems to me that in the conversation around burnout, there's three factors that people will point to. And um, I'm curious how you weave in the context changes with this. So the first would be the data, right? Mm-hmm. This is my calendar. I have these many appointments. There are eight hours, eight hours are full. I'm double booked on these two Zoom meetings. That is the reality. And then I have to pick up my kids, right? So that is like the, this is the, the data that we have of mm-hmm. what my life looks like, right? Mm-hmm. Then there's the feeling of it which can sometimes be in conflict with the data because you could have a full schedule and feel great, and you can have a full schedule and feel horrible. You can have an empty schedule and feel horrible. Mm-hmm. So there's also how do I feel about this time? Mm-hmm. And then there's the third part, which is who is dictating these blocks of time, this yeah. these responsibilities? Are they coming from an external source that you have the ability to say yes or no to, or are these things that you are choosing for yourself? And I'm curious when you look at people who are dealing with burnout, if, if any one of those seems to be the primary culprit or if one of those seems to be the easiest to work with, um, because it would seem to me that there's the reality of what's happening, there's the feeling of what's happening, and then there's the um, the source of what's happening. And I'm curious if the, if any of those three are easier to deal with or more of a problem or anything like that. So I just wanna throw that over to you.
1: The feeling one is easier to, if I had to pick the three and which one to start with, it would be the feelings piece of that. And I I agree that there's usually those three layers Um, because yeah, we do have double booked, but again, I'm, I usually work with business owners. So when I'm looking at somebody's calendar, who's double booked and they're a business owner, I'm thinking, okay, how did this happen? Either you did it or your virtual assistant did it. So let's, let's work through that. Let's fix the freaking process that allowed this to happen to begin with. Um, but one of the questions I love to ask is what are you tolerating? Because that really helps a business owner. It kind of takes the personal part out of it and they will literally start to list off, you know, I dislike this. I dislike this. I'm tolerating this. I'm tolerating this behavior from an employee, or I'm tolerating this behavior from myself, or I'm tolerating, you know, I'm tolerating these activities that I have to do, but I really hate doing them that's where the feelings conversation often has, starts for me. And then that, that, if, if they really are are like, I can't change anything on my calendar, but they start talking about what they're tolerating because let's, let's be real business owners get into business so that they don't have to tolerate anything. They're just like, you know, they, they, they're going to be the boss. So if you're charged. the boss. You shouldn't have to, t- I mean, you know, there are things we all dislike doing, but if you're doing this, just like doing parts, a lot of your job every single day as a business owner. You're tolerating a lot and you're in a you're you have a job that you hate. So we got to change that. So when I ask that question, it, it triggers something in them, it fires something up in them to say, you know what, what? I do have control over this. So yeah, let's let's get into figuring out what, what am I tolerating and what can I get off my plate. So that's the feelings part of that is is really where I usually go, go after it when when I'm hitting that objective of I don't have the time to to do anything about it.
0: So now I'm going to ask you my favorite part of the burnout conversation. Uh-huh. So um, I think a lot about burnout. Uh, I'm a co-owner of a productivity consulting firm. We talk a lot about burnout. My business partner is obsessed with burnout, talks about it all the time. I'm a big fan of the conversation, see it all the time. I also experience it all of the time. Yeah. So I'll put it on you to be vulnerable and tell us about your burnout. Tell us how you deal with yours because I'm – I'm and and you could tell me the very uh uh unexpected answer that you don't get burned out anymore. But I don't think that's the case because I think what all of even the most seasoned burnout expert still has to fight it. It's still a recurring yeah. battle. So I'm curious what your experience personally with burnout is and it, you know, I'd like to know what it is currently, but I think what I'm more interested in to start with is like how did this become an, in interest for you of something that you want to help people with? How did you climb a mountain and overcome it in the past to realize that this is something you can help people with?
1: Yeah. So I'll, yeah, I've had two really massive burnouts in business. One was, I want to say it was in 26, no, it was 2016. Yeah, it was 2016. And I was working like 16 hours a day, pretty classic burnout. Like pretty obvious working 16 hours a day six days a week hardly any vacation like no 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 me time or we time almost got divorced Like all of these horrible things uh ended up having emergency surgery and had to take six weeks off of work and that was the uh, that was the first smack down by burnout for me like the first real hardcore burnout in terms of business and um Learned some lessons, didn't learn them all, obviously. And then in 2021, I had another massive burnout where I had, I I thought I was having a heart attack. Um, I was actually having a panic attack, but I spent like 10 hours in the emergency room to have a cardiologist tell me that I had a panic attack. Basically, it had all the workups, all the everything, and my heart was fine. And I left that and thought, okay, I, I can't believe I let this happen again. This time I have to get really serious about it. And so I mean, those are my origin stories. It was, uh, I that one took me about two weeks, three weeks to feel like I was not shaky anymore, to feel like I wasn't struggling with just a lot of anxiety. And I'm not, I don't have a lot of anxiety in general. I'm, I'm very fortunate in that way. Like I worry about stuff, but I don't, you know, I, I don't have that anxiety that a lot of people have. So for me to hit that level of anxiety, um, obviously something was off with, with my business and my priorities. And, uh, I had to, I basically very abruptly quit a, uh, a position on a local uh, board of directors that I loved doing very abruptly because that was part of what caused the burnouts. Um, and just reprioritized a lot of things and put therapy on my calendar every week and, you know, put my mental health first, you know, got, Got, you know more involved I actually got more involved with making my own local community here um and then just making more friends outside of work kind of doing what I call forced hobbies because work is almost a hobby for me so I kind of force myself to have hobbies outside of work um and I mean that's those are really the stories and so I I took that and I'll tell you Jeff the reason the reason I'm going down this path so so far for business owners specifically is when I that second burnout. Um, I I I sought out re I sought sought out help online. I looked for articles. I looked for like guides that were specifically for business owners. And everything kept coming up of like anytime I searched business owner burnout, it was like here's how you help your employees navigate burnout. It was never about the business owner. And if it was, it, it was take a vacation, which is not it's the worst thing that business owners can do for burnout. And that was when i knew like i had i had to document my process you know and i I drew on my past process as well that it got me through the first really bad burnout documented everything and so now um you know i do still get burned out actually i just went through i I break burnout down into two phases there's acute burnout and chronic burnout and acute burnout is something that it, it just something happens and it knocks you on your butt like you just you don't see it coming everything's pretty much fine And then, bam. And I literally had a key employee resign. And then my dad had three strokes. Bam, bam. Like, things were great. Life happened. I got burned out. This was the summer. But because of all the work I've done and because of the strategies that I've created for myself and, you know, for other people now, like, I knew what it was right away. I started addressing it right away. And you know, got myself into a place of you know not burned out within a couple of weeks, and um, I think that that's the biggest thing that I would say that I've learned in this whole experience is that burnout is going to happen. So it's not even about. While I think we can prevent some burnouts, especially the ones that come from just like chronic stress, life happens. So burnout is going to happen, and I think the. The sooner we accept that, the sooner we can, you know, prepare ourselves for things and uh, not end up in the emergency room, you know, when you, when you get burned out and and just know what it is and know how to deal with it before it even shows up.
0: So a lot of what we've talked about so far are individual strategies, uh-huh. uh, which I love. Um, I love giving people tools and empowering them to, uh, change their lives in positive mm-hmm. ways, uh, I'm interested to know if you have any thoughts on some of the systemic causes of burnout and maybe some changes that structurally in society you'd love to see happen to help prevent burnout from happening. Um, because I think we can, we can all understand the business owner that loads their plate up too much, that doesn't delegate things, mm-hmm. that has trouble setting boundaries, that takes on work they don't want to do, doesn't charge enough, any number of different things, right? Mm-hmm. But at the same time, there's a lot of that and it's pervasive and people make those decisions under the circumstances that they're in. And I often think individual actions are very important, but I always like to think about what can we do collectively? You know, yeah. you're talking about community before. Yeah. What can we do as a community of people, as a collective to make things better so that we don't see burnout happen as much?
1: There's, there's, there's two ways that I think I would answer this one is from an organizational perspective. So I I think it, the leaders, I think it's, you got to train the leaders to recognize burnout in themselves, and then set the example for their people, and then also make make the workplace a, a safe place to bring burn up, or bring burnout up, you know, be to be able to for to be able for an employee to say, I'm burned out, and I need help reprioritizing before they, you know, take two weeks off and then suddenly suddenly quit and you don't know what's happened. I mean, that happens all the time. So I think I think from a leadership perspective in an organization, that's where it has to start. And we like the leader needs training and it also needs to be the corporate culture needs to be a safe place where people can say they're burned out and it, it goes all the way around. The leader gets to say that the employee gets to say that everybody gets to say that. And there's a way there's pl- a plan to address it basically in place. Um, from a community standpoint, I think it really gets down to valuing other people's time. And I think that, you know, we, we definitely live in an organization of inst- or in a culture of instant gratification and instant gratification and valuing time do not align with each other. So when you devalue somebody's time, you devalue them as a person and that that is going to lead to burnout pretty quickly and unfortunately I think we live in a in a culture where we're kind of in that we're kind of in that spin. So I think one of the things we could do better as just a you know humanity is to really, you know, value the time, the time that the stay at home mom spends at work is just as valuable as the time that a CEO of a fortune 500 company, I'm not talking about money time. I'm talking about just on a human basic level, you know, those times are equally valuable in different ways. You know, they're, they're different, different levels of different types of value, but they're equally valuable. And I think that we really got away from that and I think we need to get back to it. So I think that's what we could do.
0: Do you think at, um, and then I want to move on from this. Uh, I want to talk about some practical takeaways at the yeah. individual level. But I'm just curious, do you think that if we were to have a society that was um, housing was more affordable, healthcare was made widely available, food prices were stabilized and made more accessible, and uh, you know food was more available, you know in across different communities, et cetera, et cetera, all of the sort of things we need in order to make all societies, uh, all communities in our country safer and where this the stress for survival wasn't quite as strong. Do you think that, and I, and I think this is a specific question for your community of business owners. Do you think business owners would still be driven to the point of burnout to the same extent that we all are? Or do you think that some of those safety nets might help people to take a deep breath and Maybe not fill their calendars up as much, maybe not push themselves as hard, maybe give themselves the space to do their work at a better pace.
1: Mm -hmm. In in a very, in a perfectly like non-political world, I would say yes, all day long to that. I think that if, and I mean, even if a business owner wasn't worried about finding affordable health insurance for their employees so that they can retain and also attract talent, You know, that would be that would take a burden off of them. So I I think that, yes, just in general, this I mean, this we really it it is tough to survive in in this country if you are not of us at a certain level of income. And I think that if it was a little bit more dispersed and if if people had access, if everybody had access to some of the same things, the playing field was a little bit more level. I think that there probably wouldn't be as much burnout because, you know, part of the thing that causes burnout is the hustle and the grind too. it's, and, and and it used to be the hustle and the grind to like achieve or, you know, just far exceed everybody's expectations or, you know, exceed your own expectations, but more and more the hustle and the grind is survival. Now it's yeah. not even like, I want that beach house, or I want to be able to buy that car or that beach house, or I just want to be able to, I want to pay my parents mortgage off. It's not even that stuff anymore. It's I want to be able to pay my mortgage and eat and not worry about it for six months. Like that's, so, you know, we've, we've gotten to the point where we're, we're much more in a, we, we are the level of being able to survive takes so much more and you can't even get to those, you know, massive, huge goals for some people. Um, So yeah, I think if things were a little bit more distributed and the access to those, those things that you mentioned were across the board Uh, If we didn't have to, you know, if the the fight to survive wasn't so hard, so much harder now, then yeah, I think it'd probably be a little bit easier and we wouldn't all be just burning out all the time.
0: I agree with you. I agree with you. Well, I want to wrap our conversation on um, uh, burnout and things like that with just a request for some practical tips and, uh, you know, uh, things that people can go and do. Uh, coming out of this. I know one thing we didn't get a chance to cover today because there's so much that we could cover just about burnout was data-driven decisions mm-hmm. or you know, uh, the different ways you can make decisions. Mm-hmm. Um, what are some things that just people who've listened to this episode, if they're someone who's struggling with burnout mm-hmm. or they feel like they're on the road to it, what are some things that you'd recommend that maybe they just, two or three things that you think they could probably walk away from this episode and do? I
1: think one of the most important things is to know what normal looks like for you, not what burned out looks like. Know what normal looks like and then because a lot of people don't know what normal unless normal
0: like. is burnout, in which yeah. case you mean like yeah, not burned out burned basically. Out, yeah. Sorry.
1: Yeah. Not know what not burned out looks like for you. Because I mean, I, I literally have the question asked to me, how right. do I even know what what it looks like when I'm not burned out? So that's that would be the first thing. And you know, it's the point that we didn't really talk about, but Data can help with that. We, you know, we can track our sleep. One of my basic, one of my basic analytics for, am I burnt? Am, am I heading towards burnout is, or not is how much sleep I'm getting every night and looking at it over like a two week period, you know, cause we're all going to have nights we don't sleep well. Um, so using data, using the basic data that we already use, we already collect on our watches or on our phones to uh, help you measure where you might be on your burnout scale are you closer to you know being just fine fine and okay or are you sliding into burnout you know those are I think recognizing that it's a a sliding scale it's not you don't go from fine to burnout most of the time you don't do that overnight so I think those are some of the things that I would say and then um geez there's so many things but knowing also that when you're going through it always also while you're going through it if you can be on the lookout for those little like silver linings because that ultimately is what gets you through and usually when you get to the other side of burnout you often learn lessons and I mean in my experience on the other side of my burnouts those have been some of my biggest breakthroughs that have pushed my business forward so I think like knowing that yeah you're going through it and it sucks but on the other side of this there's probably going to be some kind of massive breakthrough that propels you forward. I think that helps you get through it.
0: I love it. Looking for the off ramps when you're in burnout yeah. is is mm-hmm. I think critical. Um mm-hmm. what would you say is, you know, key takeaway from this entire episode? So if we were to summarize the the big thing you want people to walk away from this episode having learned, understood, uh, you know, realized about themselves, what yeah. would that one kind of key takeaway be?
1: Yeah. You can't have a comeback without a setback, and burnout is a setback. So You might as well know that going into it and make your comeback epic because I think you you can do it if you walk through some of the steps we talked about, work on some of the things we worked about. You can make an epic comeback after any burnout.
0: That's awesome. So this show is called Shareable, and part of the reason it's called Shareable is that I like to bring on people to talk about and share their unique stories, to share their tips, their uh, advice, their learnings, different things like that. But I also have this section in the show I call the shareables. And the shareables are kind of what we do on social media. We share things that we like, that we're interested in, that we recommend. And when I bring my guests on, I like to just give them an opportunity to share uh, four different things that um, that they would recommend to other people. So I'm gonna ask you the shareables now. It's four questions. And I wanna start with the first one, which is what is something you've read that you think everybody should read?
1: The Comfort Crisis by Michael Easter that um, book, taught me the best workout I've ever learned about as well as how to slow down time so that book is a must read.
0: Awesome. I'm adding it to my list. Uh what is something you've listened to that you'd recommend that everyone listen to? This could be music, it could be podcast, it could be audiobook, it could be what but it has to be something you can listen to.
1: Shakira has a song called try everything it was on a disney movie it's just a fantastic song about like failure and coming back and and just also just continuing to fail and failing forward so that that is a great song
0: not many people give me music for that answer and i love when people do because i'm totally gonna make a playlist um mm-hmm. uh, one of my guests uh not too long ago gave me a snoop dog song that's like a kid's song about like confidence like nice. believing in yourself is yeah uh, it's awesome, actually. All yeah. right, uh, third terrible question, which is: what is something you've watched that you think everybody should watch? TV show, movie, pod, uh, you know, uh, TED Talk. It could be anything. Video essay.
1: I I think that everybody should have something they watch on television that just is totally disengages them from everything else going on in their life in their life, whatever that is. You know, I don't have a specific for me. It's true crime documentaries. Okay. But I think Do you have recommend everybody... a recommended true
0: crime documentary then?
1: Yeah. True crime documentary. Absolutely.
0: Which one do you have a particular one oh, you recommend?
1: I mean, any anything about Ted Bundy is probably where I would go. I really I really like the um, the Ted Bundy tapes on Netflix. That's a good one.
0: Is that the one with uh, Zach Efron?
1: Well, I, that's a good, I like that too. But the Ted Bundy tapes are like actual. Oh, there's like actual footage with Ted Bundy. So
0: yeah, my stepmom watches a lot of like true crime and murder mysteries. And she's yeah. like occasionally just terrified of everything. And I'm like, it's because you watch a thousand of these <laughs> serial killer documentaries.
1: And in, in my brain, I go too, man, I thought I, I it's, it, it's not that bad. <laughs> like that's yeah. where that kind of makes me. So that's fair. Mm-hmm.
0: Um, I'm going to ask you one more, but have you seen Mindhunters?
1: Oh, yes, of course I have. So it's amazing. Good. So good.
0: Okay. <laughs> uh, final question. This is like the ADHD Google question, which yeah. is what is something you've learned that you think everybody should know about? This isn't like a, I don't, I don't, I don't like as much to get like life lessons here mm-hmm. or like, um, you know, at some I don't want yeah. useful. In yeah. general, what I'm looking for is like something super random that you were midnight thought and you were like, I got to look at this. So yeah. what's something you've learned that you think people should know about?
1: Well, I mean, it goes along with what we've talked about, but it is something that i i didn't I didn't really think about. But uh, so, uh, SHRM and uh, Harvard Business Review have put out a lot of articles recently about uh, talking about how strategic sabbaticals might be like the thing that fights against burnout, and the reason behind it is. Their theory is that you have to actually miss your job in order to recover from burnout, and so it's very specific. It's got to be at least two weeks or longer, and I'm really fascinated by that to the point where I'm trying to figure out how to actually incorporate strategic sabbaticals into my um, into what I offer my employees as as benefits because it makes sense when you read through it. But I've read a lot about it, and I think that it's just an interesting topic. To, that is uh, so cool, and out. I have a suggestion
0: for you. So Mm -hmm. since 2000, maybe 2011, 2012, Mm -hmm. it's been a long, long time I've been doing this. I take the last two weeks of the year off. Mm -hmm. And I do it because it's generally slow. When I was running my agency, like nobody cares during that time. So I would take it off and I would use it to just sit and think and strategize and read and watch things that I didn't get the chance to watch Mm -hmm. all year. I would go through all my saved articles that I didn't get to look at. And I would just bounce around like free flow, whatever I felt like doing. And I always found that I would come back into the next year- fully recharged and just feeling great because I wanted to do the things because I had taken time off and now I was excited yeah. to dive into certain things. So uh that's a suggestion from from me. If you want to try that one out, it's a good time of year. Nobody's yeah. looking for you. <laughs> Nobody would question if you're like not around during Christmas and New Year's. Like it's a it's a good time. Um well Julie, your kick ass guest. Thank you so much for coming on. Um, I want to give you a chance to just unabashedly, shamelessly self promote, tell people where they can connect with you, follow you on social, learn more about what you're doing, find you leading the way. This is your time to just promote whatever it is you got.
1: Yeah. So the best place to find me is online. My handle and my website is thejulieb.com. And I would say sign up for the weekly uh, email that I send out because it's just packed full of things to help business owners prevent burnout and achieve their success. But I also have a podcast called They Don't Teach This in Business School, and you can find that on your favorite app. And it's also on YouTube as well. Um, I also have another show called The Game of Leadership, where I interview former athletes who have become entrepreneurs after they retired from their athletic career. And that's just a fascinating dive into that like competitive mindset of winning and how that translates into business and leadership. So yeah, that's where you can find me. And, you know, don't hesitate to DM me or reach out or shoot me an email. I'm usually pretty responsive and and I I really do just genuinely love to help business owners with whatever they've got going on. And uh, I'd love to have a conversation with you.
0: Love it. Love it. All right. Well, so the final piece of uh, shareable is I like to close out the show with gratitude. Uh, So I wrote a book, it's called the lovable leader. I like it a lot. I'm really proud of it. It's this book right here. Um, And I got the term because my wife is just incredibly lovable. And when I was doing the outline, it just came to me, lovable leader. But what a lovable leader is in my world is someone who uh, cares. There's someone who cares about you. They care about your growth. They care about your success. There's someone that you trust and you can trust them. You sense that there's this mutual understanding that they've got your back and you're going to have their back, that there's this understanding there. There's a, a confidence, right? And that at the same time, they also make it safe for you to pursue your biggest and most ambitious goals. They make you have the feeling that you are cared for and trusted and that you are safe to go and achieve whatever you're gonna achieve. So when I say lovable leader, typically someone in their mind, everyone I say that to has in their mind someone that they can think of from their past, from their experience that comes to mind when I say lovable leader. So what I like to do at this part is I mute my microphone and I like to invite my guests to say as much or as little directly to that person about the impact that that leader had in your life. Sometimes it's parents, sometimes it's former colleagues, sometimes it's clergy, it could be anyone. But if there's someone in your life that fits the bill for lovable leader, I'd love for you to just say directly to them whatever you feel like saying, as much or as little. And that's the end of the show.
1: So I, the lovable leader I would think of is uh, is my dad. He was my first basketball coach, my first sports coach. And he always encouraged me to just keep shooting, just keep taking the shots, keep swinging the bat and just keep going for it. And that lesson has been just one of those foundational lessons in life that have really gotten me through some hard times. And so uh, even though my dad is a pretty quiet guy, uh, he'll probably be embarrassed if he ever listens to this. I just want to tell him thank you and that that lesson will stick with me for the rest of my life.
0: So tell me, what was most valuable or useful for you in this episode? send me a message, or hit me up on social media. I'm easy to find, but there's links in the show notes just to make it easy. Seriously, I'd love to hear from you. If you enjoyed this episode, there's a couple things you could do, starting with subscribing to the show. And after that, head on over to Apple Podcasts and rate the show five stars and leave a review. Consider sharing this episode with someone you think would enjoy it. Or just buy me a latte or an old-fashioned by hitting up that tip jar. If you're looking for a good book to read, may I suggest The Lovable Leader? which covers how to build great teams with trust, respect, and kindness. It's built exclusively for brand new managers, and it's a handbook that will serve you well in your journey of leadership. Just search for Lovable Leader wherever books are sold online. And finally, if you're interested in working with me or checking out any of my other projects, go to jgibbard.com. That link, as well as every other link mentioned, will be found in the show notes. Stay safe, be kind, and seriously, share this episode with someone. I'll see you on the next episode of Shareable. Thanks for listening. This podcast is part of the Shareable Podcast Network. Learn more at shareable.fm.